Trump, Putin, Russian collusion. Trump, Russian sort of collusion. Trump, Russian possible collusion. Trump, Russian metal collusion. Trump, Russia possible collusion. Trump, Russian potentially collusion. Trump, Russia possible collusion. Trump, Russian possible collusion. Trump, Russian collusion. Trump, Russian Russian collusion. Trump, Russia possible collusion. Russian hacked our election. Here comes a big change. Because all of a sudden, Trump, Russian possible collusion. Russian, Russian, Russian collusion. Trump, Russian possible collusion. Trump, Russian possible collusion. Trump, Russian collusion. Collusion with the Russians. Trump, Russia possible collusion. Trump, Russia possible collusion. Prove collusion. Prove collusion. Was there collusion? Absolutely. Russia possible collusion. Trump 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 Russia potential collusion. Trump Russia potential collusion. And the Kremlin and be in collusion with Putin. And the Kremlin and be in collusion. And Putin and the Kremlin and be in collusion with Putin. And the Kremlin are very worried in collusion. This president, this president, in collusion with Putin and the Kremlin and be in collusion this president this president in collusion with putin and the criminal affair in collusion all 17 intelligence agencies 17 agencies 17 of our intelligence agencies 17 of our intelligence agencies 17 intelligence agencies 17 different united states intelligence agencies all 17 of them There's uh, Russia Gate, Ukraine Gate, there's Pizza Gate, uh, there's Bill Gates, like mm -hmm. blowing up the population in Africa. Uh, for all of our listeners, uh, we challenge you if you've never thought about it uh, why is America involved in Syria? Why is America involved in all the Middle Eastern wars? And why is America in the Ukraine? Uh, what is there for America to gain? That's uh, the challenging question that we ask our audience. Uh, but since we have a Russian with us, uh, we will ask you, for, for, and again, for our listeners who have not thought about this, uh, what reason is Russia in Syria? And uh, for what reason is Russia in the Ukraine? For those who have never really thought about it. Uh, well, uh, Russia is in Syria, I believe, because... Uh it uh, wanted to increase its influence and uh, make make its uh, it's it also provides a, uh, a sort of real-time training base uh, with for the Russian Air Force and the risks associated with going in there uh, seem to be pretty low but at least it has the support of the Syrian government unlike the the, the officially recognized one uh, unlike the US involvement there uh, so I think that's uh, that's pretty simple uh, obviously, there's uh, many strong views about Russia's intervention in the Ukraine. Uh, uh, obviously, the Ukraine borders Russia. Russia sees that it's got uh, some uh, major security interests, especially in light of uh, uh, Ukraine's uh, leaders, uh, well, those who came from the Orange Camp uh, into joining NATO, uh, which would, would potentially move uh, uh, Western bases uh, uh, much closer to Russia. And uh, that's the fir first reason. The second reason is, of course, that uh, uh, the U m many Russians and, for that matter, many Ukrainians, uh, especially those in eastern and southern Ukraine, 
they uh, view themselves as uh, being having a close historical connection with Russia and that uh, they should be part of uh, at least one economic bloc and uh, uh, something like 20% of uh, Russians and Ukrainians before uh, 19, uh, 2014, if, uh, according to the polls, even thought that they should be one country. Uh, so there's uh, obviously some of uh, uh, those sentiments as well. Um, uh, so, uh, of course, uh, when uh, the, uh, the Maidan happened, uh, which uh, uh, which was a, uh, the overthrow of uh, of, um, of Yanukovych, the uh, uh, person who uh, signed the uh, who, who who wanted to um, start a process of economic integration with with Russia, uh, was replaced by people who were um, who wanted to kick Russia out of its naval base in Sevastopol, which uh, which it got uh, after after the collapse of the Soviet Union. And let's not forget that. Uh, uh, Russia handed over the Crimea to Ukraine in 1956 when borders within the Soviet Union didn't mean anything. Uh, so uh, obviously, um, if if uh, that if if Putin hadn't done anything, then uh, uh, there might have been problems for him, both at the security level, but also at the domestic level, because first Russians would uh, uh, would Russia would be humiliated in in Ukraine as it as it was going to be kicked out of uh, the Crimea. And secondly, uh, the session at, at that point was probably inevitable on account of the fall in oil prices. Uh, so instead of uh, choking, uh, choking up that recession to the fall in, in oil prices, uh, to, to the uh, Western sanctions, sorry, uh, it would have instead just been blamed on him instead. Uh, so if that had happened, it's not impossible that uh, uh, we would have been seeing a color revolution against Putin by the time of the 2018 election, say. But instead, his approval ratings went up to 80% from 60%, and uh, uh, there weren't any, any problems in 2018 at all. So I think it was basically um, Russia went into, got involved with the Ukraine for a mixture of... Uh, uh, domestic political considerations, uh, security concerns, and uh, uh, general cultural or ideological sentiments. In America, it seems like uh, Democrats, uh, neocons, uh, they, they really vilify Russia. Of course, uh, Russia now is not the Soviet Union. There have been a lot of changes. Um, how do Russians respond to like Russiagate, this uh, madness on television about uh, Donald Trump got elected because of Russian intervention in the American elections? Uh, how, how do Russians view this uh, propaganda mm -hmm. that is prevalent in America? Well, uh, those uh, Russians who uh, observe the situation uh, from the side who are aware of, of what's happening, uh, um, uh, well, they're very much bemused by it. Uh, they uh, joke about it, and uh, then um, um, the Western media sees those nations joking about it, uh, like on TV, say, and then uh, cites it as further evidence of uh, of Russia uh, electing uh, Trump, and then uh, displaying uh, uh, displaying its prowess by by joking about it, uh, just to piss them off even further. Yes. Uh, so it's uh, it's uh, must must appear very amusing uh, to some alien observer, I guess. Yes, it, uh, America doesn't like, in my opinion, it doesn't seem to be like a, a very uh, serious country with like the policies that they're um, choosing to go with. Uh, for example, all these intervention wars. I, I think it's uh, almost seven trillion dollars now 
um, that the the American state has had to pay uh, for this. So of course there are people who are profiteering greatly from it, but for an American voter th there seems to be n nothing. Uh, so uh, how do uh, how do Russians view America? I think there's a very wide variety of views on America. I mean, the, the, there's no monolithic viewpoint. It's uh, there's a pro-Westerners and there's ideological anti-Westerners and anti-Americans. There's uh, um, some people who admire it. Well, including myself, who admire the sort of business dynamism that you can see displayed there. Uh, the amount of new IT companies. So Europe pretty much doesn't have a presence in IT. In, in IT. It's, it's mostly just a game between the US and China at this point. Uh, there's, uh, uh, of course, those who uh, view it as an imperialist entity. Uh, there's a few Sovaks who, um, who sort of take seriously that old propaganda about the, the Americans lynching Negroes. Uh, so, uh, there's a, there's a, obviously all sorts of views, but uh, in, in general, uh, yes, uh, the um, uh, general picture since the 1990s has been a decrease in America's image. Russians, uh, on average, according to opinion polls, were very much Americanophiles in the 1990s, and the US could have uh, played that off uh, a lot more effectively than it did. Uh, but since then, there were several events that uh, really reduced America's image. Those were first the uh, bombings of Serbia in 1998, uh, then it was the Iraq war, uh, then they recovered and uh, then they uh, really went, uh, uh, went to hell uh, with, the, uh, uh, with the Ukraine events and with the sanctions and, and so on. Uh, so uh, the America's image is, is much worse now amongst both ordinary Russians and amongst the Russian elites. And uh, uh, the U.S. missed out uh, an, on an excellent opportunity to uh, ally itself with Russia, or at least keep it neutral uh, in yes. the um, great forthcoming struggle, which uh, will be uh, probably the main economic, but uh, the, the, I think it's, it's long been pretty obvious that the major uh, sort of uh, confrontation, whether it will be purely economic and ideological or will also include mil military elements, will be between the U.S. and China. And uh, um, so at the minimum, Russia will now be neutral in, in that scenario. So what about uh, threats from uh, China itself to Russia? Uh, of course, like Russia is an extremely large country, the, the biggest country in the world. Uh, how do you protect a border like that, especially <coughs> with uh, like an aging population, mm -hmm. uh, population decreasing in size? Uh, I've, I've read authors like uh, Mark Stein saying that uh, probably mm -hmm. in the future, like uh, the east of Russia will have to uh, cede territory uh, to China because they won't, they'll have to sell it because they won't be able to defend it. What do... Uh, Russians see in the future uh, with China? What is well, their relationship? Mark is a bit ridiculous, I'm afraid. Uh, um, so back when Russia's population was twice less, was like 10 times less. I mean, Russia acquired Siberia in the 17th century. Uh, like how many people did have that? Uh, that's that. I don't think that's a consideration, and uh, uh, obviously it would be um, uh, controlling Siberia might be from China, from a pot potentially hostile China might be a problem if uh, we lived a century ago when uh, in the age of mass armies, uh, but uh, now we live in the nuclear age since 1945. 
and Russia has 20,000 tactical nuclear weapons, several thousand strategic nuclear weapons. It's much larger than the Chinese arsenal at any rate, and I don't think China is going to risk its uh, um, its civilization over a a freezer, uh, the equivalent of a freezer. Uh, that's first. And uh, secondly, if you if you actually look at where China is uh, sort of making its most uh, like bold expansionist moves, it's uh, uh, basically towards Taiwan and the South China Sea, uh, which has oil deposits and is also pretty strategic. And that sort of makes sense from China's perspective because uh, uh, the vast bulk of its oil uh, has to be routed through the state of Malacca, which is currently under the control of the US Navy, obviously. Well, I mean, it can be blockaded easily. Uh, so the main focus there is if you look at Chinese military spending, it's on, uh, it's on the naval arms days. Um, spending uh, money on uh, uh, ground forces, especially those targeting Russia, doesn't seem to make much sense. And uh, the Chinese aren't doing it, and uh, uh, for very legitimate reasons. And uh, I mean, one also, also needs to, uh, to bear in mind that um, if, if there is a serious confrontation between China and the US, then uh, uh, who will be providing them with uh, natural gas, with oil and so on. Uh, as things stand, if, if the southern supply routes get cut off, then it will be from Russia. So, uh, uh, incidentally, just a couple of months ago, the power of Siberia's pipeline was completed, which uh, will massively increase the capacity of, uh, of uh, um, hydrocarbons that uh, Russia can supply to China. Uh, so I don't I don't think that's that's an issue. Uh, that's not much of an issue, basically. Okay, and uh, another question that probably many other Europeans have is um, again the size of Russia, the natural resources. Um, uh, for example, as a child, uh, when I when I saw products, uh, it was always like made in America, made in England, even made in Japan. Uh, I've I've probably never bought a product in my life that was manufactured in Russia. Uh, what is the reason for like the stagnation in uh, economic development in Russia? Mm. Uh, I think uh, there's uh, two, two things that I should uh, uh, state at the outset. Russia doesn't export much in the way of consumer goods, obviously. Uh, however, it does uh, manufacture most of its um, uh, most of the stuff it consumes domestically. Uh, so, for instance, I think it's something like 80% of cars right now are uh, manufactured in Russia. Those, uh, it's, it's a mix of both uh, the indigenous ladders and uh, Western uh, companies like Renault, which have factories within Russia. Uh, that's first. Secondly, a lot of the uh, sort of, um, well, I mean, most of Russia's exports are natural resources, the vast bulk. But even those of them which are not, are not really very noticeable to the, the average consumer. So two examples of high-tech uh, things that Russia exports are uh, weaponry, which, uh, well, yeah, I'm assuming you're not going to be uh, buying an S-500 anytime soon. And uh, uh, nuclear power. Uh, so Rosatom is, is uh, constructing, some, has something like 50% of the world's uh, uh, contacts for uh, which involve foreigners for nuclear power construction, uh, which is pretty impressive. Uh, so uh, first, first of all, uh, yes, Russia doesn't export uh, much in the way of consumer goods, but that doesn't mean that uh, uh, it's it's like this totally stagnant place. Uh, secondly, it's uh, it's uh, um, 
not as advanced as as uh, Poland, uh, I, I think, as the bureaucrat countries, as as they're called. Although GDP per capita in uh, purchasing power policy terms is is uh, not that far away, so Poland is something like thirty three thousand dollars per capita. Russia is something like twenty eight thousand. So not not a huge difference. I mean, some would point out that Russia has uh, oil resources, uh, which Poland doesn't. On the other hand, Poland, Czechia, and so on have had uh, vast infusions from the EU. Yes. Uh, so, I mean, just to like keep things comparable. Another major difference is, of course, that the uh, Russian economy was under communism and since uh, 1918. Yes. Uh, and uh, it was much more distorted because the central planning went much deeper in the Soviet Union than it did in, uh, uh, in the other countries of the Warsaw Pact, which, uh, uh, which uh, got there in the late 1940s and uh, only stayed there for 40 years and uh, after the end of communism they also had uh, patriotic diasporas uh, living in uh, in western countries which could bring back capitalist experiences and uh, help build them up and i mean russia's uh, white immigration had all died out or assimilated by that point yes. uh, so uh, yeah some important uh, factors that you need to consider obviously without the natural resources uh, uh, Russia would be worse, worse off. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, would be like uh, Belarus at best or Ukraine at worst. Uh, although in in terms of the Ukraine, one also needs to adjust that they've also had a really dysfunctional politics uh, since uh, ever since uh, um, the breakup of the Soviet Union. So yeah, I mean that that obviously helped, but uh, uh, one also needs to bear in mind that. Uh, um, Russia had relatively more challenges than, say, Poland. But in Poland, uh, uh, where we're, we're currently in Poland, so uh, uh, the um, Balcerowicz, right, the uh, finance minister in uh, around 19, late 1980s, started doing the reforms, shock therapy, uh, died around that time. So even the reforms there started about five years earlier oh, than, yeah, right. than in Russia. Uh, so yeah, I mean the gap uh, between uh, Poland and Russia. Like, well, I mean I've been here for a couple of days, and from what I've observed, the gap seems to be around five to ten years in development. Oh. That estimate. And uh, what about young Russian people? Uh, do they have hope for the future? Uh, are they uh, clinging to faith? Uh, what is housing prices like mm -hmm. for them? Uh, are people getting married? Are they having kids? Uh, do, do they feel that there is a world for them? Mm -hmm. I mean, they're more optimistic than older people, as in because I think that's the a generality throughout the post-communist world, that they uh, older generations they've had trouble fitting in uh, into the new market realities, and I think that's more or less to everywhere, and uh, young people are more optimistic almost by default, and. Uh, I think, yes, they're, they're more optimistic about uh, housing prices. Obviously, getting into the Moscow market is pretty challenging, uh, although it's uh, it's obviously a lot cheaper than in the, in the major Western metropolis. But th then again, which, uh, which country doesn't have a challenge with, uh, with providing uh, uh, access to, uh, to the housing market for the young generations? Yes. I think that's a tourism, as Piketty has, has observed pretty much uh, everywhere. About uh, fertility rates, uh, well, I mean, I've done some work on, on Russian demographics. Uh, the basic picture is that fertility collapsed in the 1990s, 
uh, well, because of the economic crisis, and uh, that's that's been true pretty much everywhere. I think if there's one thing that the communists, uh, uh, where the situation sort of uh, uh, didn't degrade massively uh, under communism, was that people did have kids at the rate of about two children per woman, so mm. which which is the level you need for population stability, and the toll uh, went sharply down. After, after the collapse of communism. Uh, in some countries it has uh, recovered to a less or greater extent, so by 2015 Russia's uh, total fertility rate had increased to 1.75 for instance, uh, although since then it has fallen back again. Uh, but uh, I, this is actually, if you follow, uh, if you follow a person called Cicerone uh, on, on Twitter, uh, he has written quite a lot about the uh, uh, demographic collapse that has uh, started uh, three to four years ago, and uh, which seems to be um, to be affecting pretty much the entire world. Right. So how that, or why, or how that happened? Uh, well, I mean, it's all just theories at the moment. Sure. Uh, well, I think maybe the exception is Africa, of course, mm-hmm. where the population is exploding. But uh, yes, definitely in the developed world, there seems to be a, a real problem with fertility. Here in Poland, there is the 500 plus program. It's basically 500 slaughter per month per child. Um, of course, this is uh, great for uh, families. Uh, but again, like housing prices to me seem to be a, a very big problem. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, if uh, there's cheap housing, people can get married, they can have kids and <clears throat> Uh, yeah, so housing really seems to be a problem in many countries, including Poland. I think uh, these sort of stimuli are pretty prevalent throughout the region. So uh, um, Russia has something that's very similar, which was started up uh, in the early 2010s called maternity capital. Uh, and that began with providing uh, $10,000 as a lump sum, oh. well, well, but which, uh, which was only available uh, after some time, so to buy an apartment or to pay for education, but wasn't paid out as cash Im- or immediately, but uh, in as, as there's a, a promise for, uh, for credit. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and uh, it, it it's 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 been getting fulfilled, and uh, the uh, benefits have steadily been getting dialed up, and uh, uh, so yeah, that seems to have contributed, but then it seems to have uh, uh, just stopped working. Uh, two to three years ago when fertility started falling again and now it's back at uh, this year it will be back down to 1.5 from a high of 1.75 in 2050. Yeah it seems to be a problem and uh, I mean Japan also has I've heard has some very generous subsidies but it's at 1.4 so uh, uh, one one idea I've heard and which I sort of think is intuitive is that people don't really appreciate the impact of benefits that they will get in the hypothetical that they do something but they do perhaps appreciate it more when they're being uh, actively um, taxed or uh, punished well in apostrophes for something so uh, one thing that uh, some of the communist states did was actually have a bachelor tax on uh, people without kids uh, so, <laughs> okay. but, I mean, an incentive to probably, actually get married and then have uh, kids I, I never probably, heard about the bachelor probably, tax probably wouldn't work in any <laughs> democratic society but uh, um, well, I mean, there's uh, one idea to pass out. Oh, well, it's been a pleasure chatting right. with you. Okay. Thank you for uh, helping me understand more about Russia. And uh, if folks want to uh, find your material, of course, they can go to UNS. We'll put all the links. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you would like to close on? Or um, where can people find you? Uh, what's mm-hmm. the best way to communicate with you or get mm-hmm. into contact? Oh, yeah, certainly. 
so yes, uh, I have a blog at the Uns Review, that's unz.com. Uh, well, you can uh, pretty much find me on the front page uh, uh, my, under my name, Anatoly Kadlin. I'm not blogging anonymously. I'm also on Twitter as uh, Kadlin88. Uh, the 88 uh, is, doesn't uh, refer to the famous uh, slogan. Don't mention it. Uh, uh, disavow, disavow. Disavow, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I said that my tweet in 2008, so okay. for yeah. perspective. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not as uh, powerful uh, as, as I am today. Twitter was a lot more fun like uh, yes. many years ago. Yeah, it's uh, become quite boring to be honest. Yeah, I don't like the algorithms anymore. Okay, well, uh, a pleasure chatting with okay. you.